0: Just toss it out. Uh, you asked if I would pray for you, and you wanted to know if uh, uh, if it's too late for you to know about the Lord, and, and I want you to know it's not too late. And so whoever you are, I want you to know I love you. There's a lot of people around here that love you, and the Lord loves you. That's the most important one. And so uh, if you, if you're the one that wrote this, I want you to know you're welcome to come talk to me uh or, or if you want to talk to your counselor that's fine too but I, I just want you to know it's never too late okay so uh that one was addressed to me and i, I didn't if there had been a name i would have come and found you okay i didn't say that to embarrass anybody uh then they uh i asked pastor Nate to go through these and kind of categorize them and what he's done is he's categorized uh the questions into section i mean you can see there's the There are a lot of questions, great ones too. Um, And there's one whole section of questions related to Job and suffering in the world. And he is planning to speak on that tomorrow and on Wednesday. And he's already got that outlined. So if you have questions that you've written in, something like, why does God allow suffering? Why did Lucifer act the way he did? Uh, Why did Job have to go through like?" And you've got a valid question really good question. Um, But just so that we don't end up spending our time today on that, and then tomorrow morning again on that, uh, we're going to try to move past those. So if you wrote them, know that you wrote good questions. He will be taking a look at them again to make sure that he covers those in his chapel services tomorrow and Wednesday, okay? Then, we have a couple of uh, get-to-know-you questions. So I'm just going to toss out a couple of them. (coughs) Uh, These, I've not had a real good chance to Walk through. So I'm just going to grab a couple of them, and then uh, we'll just toss these out. We'll also include uh, Papa John and Brother Phil since they're a part of our panel. I'll just ask questions. I'm not giving answers today, uh, but I'll just ask the questions. So here's one. Uh, this goes right across. Uh, what's your favorite fast food place? Phil, you want to start us off?
1: Guzman Gomez. Dirty Kitchen. <laughs>
0: like what is this place and Nate?
2: I didn't hear either of what they said it didn't sound like real places um we have a sub sandwich shop called Penn Station and I really like some of their subs so Penn Station yeah
0: so we don't have uh we only have Dirty Kitchen here so sorry about Dirty that Dirty
2: Kitchen is that in your house
0: yeah that's
1: <laughs> 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 oh sorry mama sorry
2: It's not in the house. This is an actual place.
0: It's a location. Okay. Okay. How old were you when you got saved?
1: Do you remember that far back?
3: 49
1: years ago. 14 years old. Wow. So he was saved before I was born. Uh, I was five and a half.
2: Yeah. For me, it, it isn't a specific number that I know. And... When I was a child, I made a profession of faith in Jesus. I don't recall it. I don't remember that day. Um, And as I read the New Testament, I find that there isn't a lot of emphasis on knowing that exact day, Um, that my hope rests in the saving work of Jesus. And so I know after that day, I was baptized in obedience to Jesus. Um, And so for me, when I was a child, I was saved somewhere probably between 9 and 12 years old. So, and now I look and I go, hey, Am I resting in the saving work of Jesus? Yes, I am. And my confidence is in Jesus. Amen.
0: Is this your first time in Papua New Guinea? Second. Second time?
3: (laughs) 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 PJ? I think I'm still on my first. So on your first,
0: you just stayed.
2: This is my third. third Uh, Yeah, yeah. First time I went to Gulf Province with you. And then second time I came here, back in 2016. And so yeah, this is my third time back. So uh,
0: this actually is, uh, Nate's our first speaker for a youth camp that we've brought back. So each year we have different camp speakers. He was the camp speaker for our very first camp. How many of you were here for the very first camp and he was the speaker that year? Wow, everybody else grew up. And so now you guys are getting a chance to come into this. Uh, don't hold me to it. Maybe we get Pastor Tate next year. I don't know. Uh, I, no, I'm just kidding. We already have next year's camp speaker is already lined up, and I'm not going to tell you who that is. Uh, that's for another day to Ooh. talk about. Uh, but Pastor Nate, this is your second time here for Capital City. Mm-hmm. Last camp, we were in the old auditorium. Yes, we were. Um, and, and it was a lot more cramped. It was Yeah,
2: days. it was very snug in there. It yes. was a lot of fun. Longer, and the, and, the, and loud. all the games were on very sharp rocks.
0: Yeah, (laughs) lots of cut feet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, How long did it take you to get to Papua New Guinea? Well, uh, Um, I left on a
2: Monday afternoon, and I got into Papua New Guinea on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. So um, what's what's tricky there is I lost a day because of the international date line. So... Technically, it was still Wednesday back home when I arrived in Papua New Guinea, but yeah. So I left on a Monday,
0: arrived on Thursday. So we just traveled along. So I I think this is probably going to be my favorite question of the whole time, um, and I'd like all of them to answer this. Uh, what's your best memory that you can think about with you and Pastor Matt? Yeah. While these guys are thinking, because they have so many to to pull from, Uh, (laughs) do you want to share?
2: Yeah, yeah. So mine mine isn't necessarily nostalgic like us as as kids playing Battleship or board games. It's not that. There's a distinct memory in my mind when I was just about um, 18 years old, and my brother Matt came and visited me, and we sat down, and he had one of the hardest conversations he's ever had with me. I um, mean, at the time, I had not been wanting to follow Jesus, and He loved me enough to look at me and go, "You really are acting like a fool, and you're making bad decisions." Um, and that's lived in my mind. I've always looked back to that and thank God for an older brother who loved me enough to tell me the truth, to point me towards what was right. Um, so yeah, it really is favorite memory.
0: Have to That's that, right. I uh, <laughs> thanks Nate uh, I think that uh, this will come back to Nate and it's addressed to him, so um when you lost your brother, did you question God when you lost your brother, and how did you get over the depression? I think it kind mm-hmm. of a double question there. Um, Yeah, for those of you who don't know the
2: story, I imagine would most know the story?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, how many people are familiar with the story where our uh, brother passed away? How many of you don't know that? I guess if you want to just give a nutshell. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Um, I was going to mention this in our, our Job series, but I, Uh, I was 18 years old, and my brother Ben was 19. He was just uh, 18 months older than me, and we went to the ocean to see a big cyclone that was coming in, and in the middle of all of that, um, I ended up getting pulled out into the ocean, um, and I didn't have any board or floats or anything, and swam in the ocean in that storm for about three hours. Um, And my brother Ben um, came out to help me in the middle of that storm, and by the end of the day, my brother Ben had passed away. Um, he drowned there in the ocean. Um, for me, that was the start of, of really um, what I would consider my own deconstruction spiritually. Um, and I had grown up in a Christian home with a father and mother who loved Jesus and who pointed me towards Jesus. And in that moment, to feel the loss um, of my brother so immediately just really took my heart and said, I don't know if any of this stuff about God is real. I don't know if the gospel is real. I don't know if Jesus is real, and I'm really not interested in following Jesus. Um, and for the next several years, it was just highs and lows. of Maybe I'll follow Jesus. No, I really don't want to. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Um, and at times, all out, um, very bold statements of I don't want anything to do with Christianity or God. Um, and so the loss of my brother, I, I think it. it it really shattered any semblance of trust in God that I had. Um, It really got rid of, in my life, my faith, um, which is a lot of what the point of us going through Job is going to look at um, because we'll see Job, who has a God that he trusts in, and he goes through that kind of tragedy. Um, And so so for me, I did. The tragedy, it, it really undermined my view of who God was, and I had to come to understand who God really is and who God reveals himself to be in the scriptures, not just the idea I had made up of God in my mind. Because the God I'd made up in my own mind can't withstand tragic moments like the loss of a brother. And that's why I left that God to follow the God that I really do trust and believe in.
0: So, Do you guys want to share anything, something that, that the Lord used in your life to help you um, to learn how to lean
1: on him more? Like Nate said, um, we we come up with concepts based on our exposure to things. We come up with a concept of who God is based on what we believe about God. What we believe about God is based on our time we've spent in the Word, our time we've spent with other believers, our time we've spent under the Word, so with pastor. And if we haven't been saturated in that, then what we believe about God is warped. Mm. And if I haven't spent that time immersed in God's word, surrounded by, by biblical people that, that want to draw my heart to God, well then my perspective is wrong. And when hardship does come, my perspective of God being warped, warps how I view that hardship. Yeah. That's why it's so important for us to be, to be grounded in God's word, yeah. Because otherwise we're tra- chasing dreams. We're chasing uh, an image. We're chasing an analogy as opposed to changing, chasing what scripture says God is.
3: And I would add to that, <laughs> Solomon said in Ecclesiastes it's better to go to the house of mourning, a house cry, Mm -hmm. than it is to go to the house of feasting, a party. Because when you're at a party, just think of this in our context. When you have a party, how many times do you have a preacher come preach the gospel? Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about the gospel at a party, at a birthday party, Christmas Mm party. But let a house cry come, and everybody's heartbroken, Mm -hmm. and they say, Pastor, will you come? Will you share the word with us? And God will use, God does not, as Pastor Nate said this morning, these times aren't wasted, they're not abstract, they don't just happen, and God, like Pastor Nate said, God goes, oops, sorry. God is over all of it, and he has a purpose to use in the suffering, because when you come forth from that suffering, you'll either be one of two things, bitter at God, or better for it. But the better won't be because you pulled up your socks, tightened boon, and went through it. No, it'll be because you sought God's face and found the real God, the Bible God. That's, and, I, and I think that's the, thing, the lesson to take away from your own suffering that you've been through and what you will yet go through in your life. Suffering is common to everybody on the planet. Everybody. Mm. But Christians have the unique thing to have their Father walk with them, the Spirit, and dwell in. And th- that's very helpful.
0: We're going to move away from uh, some of those personal questions. Maybe it's some Bible questions. Uh, several of you asked some really good Bible questions. Um, so uh, the Bible says not to lie, and I kind of just want to open this across the panel. Not everybody has to answer, but just some input, if any of you would like to. The Bible says not to lie, and it says to obey our parents. So when our parents tell us to lie... I'll just let you finish the question. You see where we're headed. I couldn't read the next line, so I forgot my glasses, sorry.
1: (laughs) Go ahead. What's your first love? I guess would be the question I would ask. We're told in the Bible to honor our mother and our father. We're told in the Bible to respect our parents. But I'll come back to what is your first love? Do I desire to honor God or do I desire to do what I'm told to do? And it's a difficult position. And it might be a position where I need to go, hey, this is to my parents. This is what I believe based on the word of God. What you're asking me to do is sin. What you're asking me to do is against what God would have me do. It's it's difficult. It's a really difficult position to be placed in. But I don't envy anyone that's put into that position.
3: From personal experience, my family weren't Christians. And as we were raising up Pastor Matt, Nate, and the brothers, um, we were told over and over again, you're too strict, you're too restrictive. You need to let those boys do this and that. Or they're going to grow up and they're going to hate you, and they're going to hate your God, and they're going to hate church. And that was really hard for me as a young adult, looking at my dad and mom, telling me that I was wrong with that, and that I needed to just let these guys party, let them go smoke dope, do whatever. Otherwise, they'd never know what it was and that they would all run away from the faith. And that's a difficult time, and what you have to make a decision is, am I going to do what, as Brother Phil said, or am I going to do what God says? Or am I going to, and, and there's no contradiction there. The, the obedi- obedience to parents does not trump the lying. If your parents said, kill the guy next to you, you're like, okay, no, thou shalt not kill. I, can't, I don't violate one law to keep the other. Mm. You keep both laws. So honoring your parents in that situation would be to say, mom and dad, I think that's a lie. And lying is against what God said. So I'm not disobeying you. I just don't want to disobey God. And I know that you could have consequences for that, but choose the consequences wisely.
0: Uh, some practical things about how, how do we begin studying our Bibles? Uh, or how do we study our Bibles? And Phil did a great job over many years of teaching our young people how to study. Um, question
3: here? Phil did it, Dad. You guys are way better at this than me. Go. Yeah, don't look (laughs) at me.
1: Start. So set yourself achievable goals. Um, So for me, even even here now, I have a Bible reading plan that I work through, that I've been working through for years and years and years. And every year I work through the same Bible reading plan set myself an achievable goal. Each day I can do this. I tick it off because mentally it registers in my mind that I have ticked that off. I've done it for today. And we're we're list-making people. Yeah? We like to, if we've got a list and we haven't checked something off, it bothers me for the rest of the day. So set yourself achievable goals. Set yourself tasks that you can do. Spend time reading it, but then also spend time increasing in that and desiring to, as Pastor Matt used the analogy of a number of times, skim across the surface, but then find places where you can drop anchor and you can sink in and you can dig into that and, and dig in a little bit deeper. But not everything you read is going to be the time where you're going to go, I'm dropping anchor here, because otherwise you'd never get anywhere.
3: You young people, one of the greatest things that you can do, and it's easy. How many days in a month? Depends on the month. I know, but how many days <laughs> generally? How many? 30 to 31 days. Did you know there's one book of the Bible that has exactly 31 chapters? And it's Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And Proverbs is the book that's about what? What's its topic? Wisdom. What do we all, young and old, lack? Wisdom. It would not hurt you every day of your life. Today is the 25th, Proverbs 25, and you read through it. Because Proverbs is like these one and 2 sentence things that just speak a truth. Mm. And and if you just grab one of those in the chapter a day, it's going to help you. But if you read that, you'll read through Proverbs 12 times in one year, 120 times in a decade. And you, you're like, what difference does that make? It will make a difference because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Proverbs is a finger point. Mm-hmm. Proverbs goes right to it, and it addresses every topic in your life. I highly recommend that, along with learning to read. But don't start with, hey, let me read him template chapters every day. Don't start there. You're not going to make it. One chapter. Mm-hmm. Pick it. But read it. Read it. Read it. Just do it. That's the best advice. Do it. That was good. I
0: think this is a good question. How can I patiently deal with someone who says that they love God, but they don't show it and live it out? I'm thankful that the camper has added the word patiently.
1: How can I patiently? Matthew 11, how does Jesus describe himself? So as I'm patiently waiting for this person that I love and that I care about, how is my attitude? How do I, how do I view that person? How does, and, and as a believer, my reference point should be Christ, shouldn't it? That should be my reference point. That's what I'm, I'm trying to mirror. So when I look at Christ, how does he describe himself? Well, Matthew 11, he describes himself as meek and lowly, as humble and approachable so for that person who is a believer I hope, for that person who's a believer who's struggling to, to live out the fruit in their life, the greatest way that, that they can see it is by me living a lifestyle that's like Christ, and Christ says mm. be humble and be approachable, so that they can come to me, because if I'm resistant if I'm pushing back if I am fighting them, they're going to run the other way they? Be humble and approach
2: Amen. I think that's exactly what Paul tells Timothy too, right? And so he says, this is Second Timothy chapter 2. If you wrote that question, you go read Second Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26, the end of chapter 2, he says this, and the servant of the Lord must not strive But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, hear this, in meekness. That word meekness, again, is the same as gentleness, what he just said. Meekness is gentleness and humility. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now, here's the key. We imagine that in correcting somebody, we're going to get them to stop doing it you and me don't change people's hearts. Mm -hmm. Only one changes hearts, and that is God. By the power of his spirit, he might work in them when you tell them the truth through gentleness and humility. He might. He might choose not to. They might resist him as he seeks to work, which is why he says, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God... Her adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So what is our responsibility? Patience, gentleness, humility, and pray that God will save them from it. Mm -hmm. Pray that he'll do the work to change their hearts. And don't count. If you think you're going to try to do it, when it doesn't happen, you're going to get mad. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to get frustrated. You're probably going to sin against them. It's
0: God's work. So you do your part and then pray and trust him. Hmm. I'd like to take off from that and then ask this next question because I think that there's an aspect of this that we need to be careful about. So here's the question regarding forgiveness. It says, I have a question about forgiveness. If someone continually wrongs you, Is it okay to give them some space without forgiving them? Or maybe, like, if you need some space because they continuously wrong you?
1: Well, why am I forgiving them? Am I forgiving them because they came to me and asked me to say sorry or whatever? Or am I forgiving them because I'm preferring them above myself? What's my motivation? or my reasoning, in forgiving them. If I'm not forgiving them because they haven't come to me, well, then I need to check my own heart. So I need to forgive them, and I need to allow them, I need to, again, in that that gentleness, in that humbleness, in that meekness, in that being approachable, I need to let go of what they've done to me and trust that that God's going to work through this. God's growing me and hopefully they're allowing him to grow them too I
3: would, I would think too because I don't know how the question came in your mind if it's a case of a person is offending you or doing something to you and they don't know they're doing it to you yeah. it may take the hard conversation of you saying hey do you you'd keep doing that and it really bothers me it offends me hmm. don't go to somebody else just go to them and they may go, oh, I had no idea, or I was just being funny. But go to them and tell them that because they can't even ask for forgiveness if they don't know that something they're doing is hurting you.
0: Yeah. I might add in a, an aspect of this. Uh, if someone is abusing you, That's right. Mm-hmm. all right, so there's a difference between offending and abusing. If someone is abusing you, there is nowhere in the Bible that says that you have to remain in a relationship with them. It doesn't matter whether they're a family member or some friend of the family or a friend that you have at school. Or There's no need for you to remain in that. You are an image bearer of God. And God has put people in your life to help protect you. And those people who are supposed to be protecting you will want to know about it. And they will help to protect you if, they do, if they're doing the right thing. And so all of these things that we've said about forgiving are not in the aspect of abuse. They're in the aspect of offense. Someone can say something and it's offensive. That's very different than somebody abuses you. Uh, here's another question. Uh, is it bad to be in a relationship? I know this one actually is addressed to me. I'm going to kind of toss it out to these guys. I I think most of you know how I would answer this. Is it sin to have a relationship? And I think that that would be as in a boyfriend or girlfriend.
1: Is that a sin? Just straight up have a relationship? Sure. Is that, and, and again, let's take this and point it in a, in a direction that opens us up more, is that relationship, am I putting that above my relationship with God? If I'm placing it above my relationship with God, it's not right. It's not wrong to have a relationship. It is wrong to have a relationship if it is Above my relationship with God. If if within that, the context of that relationship, I am in some way resisting God, I am in some way pushing away from God, in some way it's not drawing my heart to God, then I would say you need to to have a look at that relationship and and question whether that's right for you. Uh, (coughs) I would also follow
3: with, again, with what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. Everything has a time and a season, mm. and if you're a young person that's in school, if that relationship hinders your academic studies, or get this, handles your rel- hinders your relationships with other people, okay. there's a time in your life for guys to hang out with guys and be with guys and enjoy your time. But oh, sorry, I can't come. Mm. I got my girlfriend, and we got a text. You're missing the time to be a young man with your friends. And, I, and that in the context of you guys doing things that are not bad. And the same thing for the ladies. You could have time being just being a young person. Because all of us will tell you here that when you hit a certain mark in that relationship, if it consummates in a marriage, life changes. And there's no going back to all the things that you wish you had done when you were younger. Life comes at you fast. And this is all just, this is human side. I'm not even talking about spiritual side. Spiritual part, Pastor Matt addresses quite, quite well frequently. It's
1: mm. good. Good stuff. He's not talking much. Okay. You need to give I can answer.
2: There. I can give more answers. I just feel like that what you guys say is so helpful. I don't need to add anything.
0: Well, yeah. well let's stay in the line of uh, boyfriends, girlfriends for another question here, if you don't mind. Um, why do? And, and feel free to take this question and, and spin as you need. Uh why do girls and boys get obsessed in peer groups and they don't say no to anything? I think that maybe if I can rephrase that, why is it sometimes that boys and girls get obs- that they get caught up within their peer groups and they should have said no but they don't.
2: I can't tell if that's like a like a there, a boy is hanging out with a girl, a girl's hanging out with a boy, or that's boys hanging out with boys, and the boys are all doing something crazy, and?
0: I think that's the latter is the case. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> one boy, half a brain. Two boys, one quarter of a brain. Three boys, no brain. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is coming from, from brothers.
1: This is coming from brothers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: every person is made in the image of god every person has a mind and has a heart the scriptures speak of three sources of temptation the world the flesh and the devil the devil seeks to get you to not worship god that's his only aim he will do whatever he can most of that Is really big. Mm. It's massive industries like pornography that are meant to trap you. He knows exactly what he's doing and the abuses that exist across those kinds of platforms. The devil is at work and he's trying to set up structures, oppressive cultural structures that sometimes can be governmental, sometimes that's just societal structures, people around you, the influences bigger than you that try to get you to trust in something other than God. Trust in the government. The the world. The world system is an anti-God system also. It, It is the world system that takes the things that God calls good and mocks them and calls them foolish. It takes the things that God calls evil... And it makes them as desirable as can be because you'll enjoy them Mm -hmm. and you should go after them. The world takes (laughs) God's economy of morality and turns it on its head and makes evil good and good evil. It's the upside down world you live in so that laughing at things you have no business laughing at becomes normal because of a worldly influence around you. Mm. Being prideful when you should be humble becomes normal because the world around you. Being greedy, wanting things, materialism is all world system stuff because again, instead of saying I'm contented in what God has given me, I need more. We live again by the world. So the devil, the world, the flesh. The flesh is you. Mm. Inside of you. From great-grandpapa Adam, we have the flesh. From the fall, our hearts are broken. We are grotesquely deformed image bearers. That our hearts naturally are inclined to believe the lies of the world and to fall for the tricks of the devil. So that we, with our broken flesh, see it and then go, Oh, that's going to be good. And like great-grandmama Eve, we say, I'll try a bite. So when you're with friends, why do peers with other peers? Because typically once that group starts getting together, the influences of the world get less and less pushed back and become so normalized that for somebody inside of that group to actually stand for Christ and say, I will do what's right, to uniquely stand up and not give in to those temptations, it is rare. And so what you find is The pressure of the culture around you of friends causes many people to go, I know what I believe, I know what I should do, but I don't want all of my friends to think bad about me. I'll just go along with what they've said. And so we find all the time, I find the same pressures and I'm a pastor. There are people around me who speak things and say things and the ways they act nudge me to not emphasize, not speak in certain ways. As a follower of Jesus, I will, though. And I will say, that's not right. I'm not going to be a part of it. That's not okay. I'm not going to laugh at that. Mm. And sometimes it's just silence. And sometimes it's a boldness to speak what's true. But peer groups happen because often, negatively, worldly influence, and then their flesh gives in. So. Mm.
0: Mm. You guys want
3: to so, you guys probably figure, when I went to uh, high school, uh, we etched on rocks. We didn't have paper and pencils. <laughs> we rode around on horses. No. But long time ago. I was in grade 11. I was in a Christian school. Um, my parents put me there only for education, not because of the spiritual influence, but I got saved there. And so I was so thankful to come to a school like SPIA. But all of my peers were there for the same reason, and hardly any of them were real believers. And as I began, after I got saved, I began to watch how they behaved. And I'm like, you can smoke and drink beer and still be a Christian. And Mm. then they were doing all kinds of other boy and girl stuff. And I'm like, this is okay. And there was one voice, one voice in our class group of about 35 people. His name was Mark. He was grade nine and Mark would just look at us and go, guys, we're not supposed to be doing that. We're Christians. We're supposed to live different than the world and they would call him down and he made an impact on my life that lasted to this day Mm. because wait a minute if mark i mean mark is saying out loud what i'm reading in my bible and i've only been saved a few months Mm. and i'm like is that that really and i didn't realize that three years later i would be in the military and i'm the only christian and being the only Christian, the entire peer group is getting drunk drunk and chasing women and kind kind passing, that was how we lived. And it made it an easier decision for me to just say, guys, I don't do that. I'm I'm a Christian. And they were like, What's that? And I remember even one day at work, I was with my immediate boss, and he said, drive me someplace. So I'm driving him. And we get in the vehicle, doors close, I start driving, and he yells at me. He goes, What's the matter with you? I'm like, I don't, what what do you mean, specialist? And he goes, you don't drink beer, you don't chase women, what's wrong with you? And he meant it. He wasn't joking. And I got to share the gospel with him. Mm. How that Christ changed my life. You don't have to go with the bad peer group. Mm -hmm. As has been said before, you be the peer pressure. You be the one that goes, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to do that, are we? Mm. And let, and you be the peer pressure for what's right and what's godly. And I'll tell you this, you will never regret that you did that.
0: Mm. Anything you want to add? No. I, I've got two questions here. that I think they follow on each other. Uh, how often do you ask for strength? Feel free to stay in that vein. Or, add into it this other one, is it normal to be afraid of the future when, even though you've gotten saved?
3: I'll say it quickly. Multiple times a day, mm-hmm. seriously, especially before doing certain things. But I want to be aware. I might be tempted here. I might be tempted to quit. I might be tempted to say the wrong thing or have the wrong attitude. Multiple times for strength. And what was the second part? What was it?
0: Is it normal to be afraid of the future even though you've been saved?
3: Yeah, you're you're still in your body. Your body is still scared, and that helps you to grow in your faith because you're like God. I have no control over the future, but you do. And some of you know the song. I, I know who holds tomorrow, but I kn- and I know who holds my hand. If He's in control of the future, then He is the big God over the whole thing. Yeah. When you have that fear, just hold His hand because He's got a hold of you. Yeah,
1: I pray for strength and I pray for wisdom mm. daily. Because we need to be wise in our dealings with other people. We need to be wise in the decisions that we make. And then we need to have the strength to use that wisdom in a manner that glorifies God to to fight through those situations and circumstances, whether it's temptation or whether it's just dealing with something that, that's difficult. Um, we need to have the strength to be able to do that. And so, yeah, that's a constant prayer. That, um, that I pray for.
0: Following that thought, um, since you're a believer and we as believers, why, why do challenges and temptations just keep coming up over and over and over? Mm-hmm.
1: For my good and his glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we just stayed the same always, then we're not growing, are we? Where any any organism is meant to grow, and as believers, as followers of Christ, we are meant to grow or be molded and shaped into the image of Christ. Mm. The way that God does that is by continually stretching us, continually expanding those boundaries so that we become more Christ-like. If I'm not being challenged, then I'm not going to grow, am I?
0: There's one question. Uh, Why is David called a man after God's own heart?
1: I think because he recognized his sin and he kept coming back to God. Not because he was perfect, but because he recognized his sin, he humbled himself, and he kept coming back to God. It isn't how many times
3: you fall, it's how many times you get up.
0: Amen. Amen. There's a question I'm looking for us to close with, and I'm struggling to find it. Sorry. Lots of questions. You guys did a great job. This is going to be our last one. Um, Here it is. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? It was on there. I just uh-huh. read it.
2: <laughs> Mine's really simple. It's always been the same. I'd love to know how somebody was going to respond to something I was going to say. Because I could be like, well, change it. What if I said this? So I want like the Doctor Strange, see into the future and how many millions of possibilities. <laughs> that's what I, I just want. But just with conversation, I don't really want to like fly or anything. Ugh. Like I'd be scared of heights. So yeah, no. Well, that's good.
0: Superpower?
3: Never thought of it, but I guess I would like to fly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Aren't you scared of, heights? I'm scared of heights? But I
3: figure that'll come with the super. Yeah, power. you'll get over
2: it. That's Enough right. exposure therapy I can go through practice. flying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get them up there more.
3: I'll start here. And That's right.
1: My way up. I think this is one that a lot of other people have already, and maybe I lost, but the ability to grow hair on my head. <laughs>
0: You guys have written some great questions. Thank you very much. I believe uh, we're going to be turning this over to Mr. Braxton now. Uh, If you don't mind, I'd like to have a word of prayer with you, and then I will pass the microphone over to uh, Mr. Braxton. Father, thank you for the opportunity to spend this wonderful time together with these young people. I pray that you would continue to use the time that we have together, games and devotions and uh, times even like this where we can sit and talk. Uh, Would you take these times, grow us together for your goodness, uh, for our good and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt, Brother Phil, Papa John, and Pastor Nate. I think from here, we're going to have free time uh, till 2.45, and then from there, we're going to have a team meeting and then have our game. So now you have free time till 2.45.